Welcome to COVID Convos, a series brought to you by Unraveled Podcast. You may be stuck inside, but we're so happy you're here. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. Join the conversation as we hope to unravel this season of COVID-19 with the help of these incredible and inspiring guests and friends. Hi, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for having me, East Coast, West Coast. That's my new nickname for the two of you. I like that. East Coast, West Coast. That's our new brand. I know. That's your thing. East Coast, West Coast. Beyond being an incredible aunt, you have mentored businesses and executive teams, anything from navigating relationships in the workplace to also helping individuals, um, you know, get promotions and work through how, how to have a proper interview, anything that deals with communication, communication in the workplace, mm-hmm. and also personal communication. Um, you have really been an expert that I can attest to because even in my life, I've totally come to you with, with big questions that you have just been able to work through in wondrous ways. Well, first of all, I love people. And so my goal is always to make everyone the best version of themselves. And I actually know how to do that. What I need people to do is know, even if they're in a lost place and they're not sure where they're navigating or what's going on, we can help you with that. But importantly for everybody to know at this point is that this whole time is an odd time because normally peers and mentors that you would look up to, maybe your parents, maybe some trusted advisor, they're all going through this for the first time as well. And that can be very nerve wracking for people to say, my trusted advisors don't know what to do. And that's where you have to start to build some parameters. You have to have some walls up. You have to start to create structure that's not normally there. And I always say, And I can say this because I had four children intentionally in five years. So I know exactly what it's like to have a whole bunch of children running around. And what I always did, even at the youngest ages, I just want to put this out there before we even start, because both of you are young moms, that it's very important to understand that your children are a whole lot smarter than you think. So they're picking up on your nervous energy if you're nervous. They are also extremely capable as far as being able to do small chores. When I look back on it, and and I promise you, anyone that knows my kids can attest to the fact that they're extremely well-adjusted and normal people. But at two years of age, I'd be like, time for you to do the vacuum cleaning, Bobby, to get the bathroom (laughs) done. And and I taught them these things. And if they didn't do it correctly, I made them redo it. I'd be like, tomorrow you get the same chore. You didn't quite master that one, okay? But I always made sure that there was fun at the end of the day. There was always a a carrot. You know, there was something. And then when we're all done, we're all going to sit. We're going to grab snacks. We're going to watch a little TV show. Hurry up. Wrong clock. So there was a time frame for things. And that included me working out in the morning. That was important to my mental health. And I want to say that when it comes to this kind of thing, West Coast girls especially, I know you're all over this. The kids knew they could not come to me at certain times. I'd say excuse me, is mommy done? This is my time. <laughs> and so they good. came to really understand that they could not interrupt that time. There has to be structure. And then for the moms, you need to go, I don't care if it's Lululemons, you've got to get out of your sweatpants after the workout's done. It's important. Like right now I have on black skinny jeans, but I have on a shirt. I have on jewelry. My hair and makeup is done. Not that I look great, but at least I don't look like I just rolled out of bed all day long. And women need to understand, you are the theme of the house. 
what you do is being watched over and you are setting the tone. That being said, I'm going to go down 10 quick items. Bridget, I already know you're going to stop me on number four and five, but I'm going to go down 10 quick items that are being um, brought to my attention on a daily basis by people that I coach in the business world. So here they are. Question number one, how do I refuse a handshake or a hug? Question number two, how do I cancel a long-employed dog walker, babysitter, house cleaner? What do I do during those times? Number three, how do I talk to a family member that does not want to obey social distancing? This happens especially if you have college kids at home. Number four, how do I decline an office virtual happy hour when they know I'm home? That's an easy one. Number five, can I tell a boss or a team member that I'm overwhelmed, that there's some task saturation going on here because now they have access to me on Saturdays and Sundays? Number six, how do I reject baked good from a neighbor? The answer is, do you really want to reject any baked good? But we'll get to that later. <laughs> Seven, is it okay to talk through the door or is that rude? Eight, how do I comfort someone who has either lost somebody or has someone sick with corona? Number nine, is it okay in a business email to say, be safe, be well? Number 10, what do I say if my boss or coworker suggests getting together? All right, so those are the 10 that I'm hearing a lot of. There's okay. answers to all of them. You two, East Coast, West Coast, tell me what you're hearing and what you want me to answer. The happy hour one. I don't care if it's work or whoever. Still I'm press. getting so much feedback on that one. It's so, so let's answer that one first because that one's really easy. The first thing I have to tell everybody, and I can say this at 56, is that the best advice I can give anybody and everybody is that you have to start to be transparent and actually bring honesty to the picture so people know who you are. Because if you don't do that, and I know it takes some courage to do it, but if you don't do that, you just get more of the same. And you want to shut down the first time something gets asked so that you're not constantly coming up with new excuses and then people start to think it's personal. So mm -hmm. if someone says to me, which I've also been asked, my kids are all college, graduate school age, they've been asked about the cocktail hour. And they're going, gosh, what do I say? I don't want to offend anyone. So what you say is the Oreo approach. We start off with positive, we give the information, we end with the positive. So right. you say, listen, that sounds like a lot of fun. I'm so glad all of you can do that. I'm not able to do that for a couple of reasons. Um, the first one, and I'll give you answers if you have children, don't have children, whatever the story is. So you can say, if you have young children and people know you do, that just sounds like a dream come true. Unfortunately, I can't do that because at the end of my workday, that's when bath and bedtime and reading starts. And then honestly, by the time all of that is over, Colin and I, or Johnny and I, we're just ready to sit and hang and be a little brain dead for a little bit. Like I'm going to write yes. that paragraph and have that. I mean, people joke, like before COVID, we joked that like kids are the best excuse now that we can just say, but I think that our generation, what you said resonated with me at the beginning um, of like just being transparent because I've heard this before that we have an issue with being honest and just like letting our yes be yes and our no mean no. And I can mm -hmm. attest to that as like a people pleaser. I always don't want to let the person down. So I try to let them down easy, but then I actually end up hurting them because I'm not just honest and say no to the happy hour. I like almost lie and I'm like, I'll try my best. 
even though well, I you know what you can do, Bridget, because I'm a people pleaser too. You can say this. However, tell you what I can do. I can do morning coffee and I'll even bring the virtual creamer. So I, I could do like the coffee and you want to do that tomorrow morning. And that way, first of all, if they have to say no, they can feel what it feels like to say no. So now right. they have empathy for your no to the virtual uh, cocktail hour. But if they just really want your company and they want you included, they might say, we're still doing happy hour tonight, but... I'll bring that up to everyone on the phone tonight. Maybe we should do like a, a coffee and then we'll know bridge can be included. So give them another way to include you. If they want to include you, provide an opportunity that they can do that. That's and that good. way they know it's not personal. That's good. I actually have done that with a certain, with one friend where I was like, I can't do it tonight. Maybe in a couple of days, I'll reach back out. And then we ended up doing that follow-up, right. just one-on-one happy hour. And she, you could tell she was happy and relieved and she didn't feel forgotten. So like, it's definitely not personal. It's just like our lives are so crazy right now. You're right. Or even Michelle, is it okay like with that to say, I have 6 to 6.45, but I have to be done at this because... But you even still feel guilty, like B said. Like I had two two single friends, and I'm like, they're both alone. Like I have, like it's just. But you have you to know, give it. You, you bring up a good point. Is it okay to have um, time barriers? And I knew that when I had all the kids, when I was little, things really had to be that tight. And sometimes it was down to the 15 minutes. And I'd say, I would absolutely love to catch up with you. Don't kill me for this, but I have between 6.45 and 7. And my goodness gracious, I will promise you, those will be the most devoted 15 minutes you've ever gotten. We'll get get two hours into those 15 minutes. And then people kind of laugh. But in a way, here's why, Kenzie, that is so perfect. Because some people tend to get on and they want to ramble, even in a Bible study. And they want to talk for 30 minutes. And like, oh, we just we just worked out all my thing time. I had an hour. Let me see how this seems if I can add more time here. So it's really good when you tell people you have a set amount of time. Sometimes I'll even horse around. And by the way, smiling helps a lot. What I'll say is, listen, I got to tell you something. Come with bullet points. I will answer all your bullet points. Um, but come with bullet points. You got stuff on your mind. It, this call won't even be about me. This call's going to be about you. So we're not even going to talk about me. Just bring me all your problems, girl. Today's your day. And, you and then people say, I can do that. I can give you 15 minutes of bullet points all about me. So make it about them. If it's really that they need time, mm-hmm. they want to hear about your kids. They don't yeah. have any. No, oh, they don't. They don't want to hear about us. They don't yeah. care. That's okay. It is so true. Oh my gosh. We talked with one of our other guests, Mary Lennenberg, about boundaries with families, even. And she was like, My husband knows this is because she's a writer and she's writing a book. And she was joking that she locks herself in a room and he knows that he's not allowed to come in for two hours, almost like the kid thing. So with with work though, it's it's easier to be honest with family, I think, than Mm -hmm. people who are not your family. And so how do you in a nice way say like this is starting to infringe on my personal the the minuscule personal life that I have? Yeah. Well, that's a very difficult one. And here's why, because it's attached to a paycheck. And that always becomes a very serious issue because you want to get ahead, you want to look like a team player. You don't want to be the first one to speak up and say, hey, I am really overwhelmed. I'm totally tapped out. But there's a term in the military uses this all the time. So both your husbands should know this term. 
it's task saturation and it's a very dangerous thing because when you are task saturated and you're completely overwhelmed, of course, your attitude goes down, your productivity goes down. And some women, uh, I'm not a crier. Um, I internalize things, but some women actually will hang up from a call and they'll be crying at home. They literally don't know where else to put that emotion. But this is for men and for women. My husband's been working seven days a week since this whole thing started. There's calls on Saturdays and the calls on Sunday. And we always kid around because he's an attorney that people will say, I'm not sure what kind of toilet paper we should be using in the bathroom. Let's get legal on the phone. Let, legal should know the answer to that. You know, legal should know the answer to everything. Everything. So the very hard part is that you really don't want to be the person when you're on a task force or something else uh, and there's 12 people in a room. You don't want to be the one to say, I'm a little, anyone else? I'm a little overwhelmed here. No one wants to be that person. And yet, here's what's happening. Because all of the initial hoopla is over and everything has been put in place, now you're going around the room and people are saying, is there anything new? Not really. No. How about you? No, me either. And so you're getting together unnecessarily. But here's why some of it's happening. Your boss is used to being the leader in the office. I'm not saying all bosses, but some bosses are used to being the leader in the office. And they're afraid that it's out of sight, out of mind. Somehow in your conversations, you're going to have to let it be known, you've been a fantastic leader through this, and I am trying to follow your lead and being very organized at home. I do have to tell you, what are your thoughts on this? I'm thinking that after 6 p.m., I'm still reading all your messages, but that I will not respond to them until the morning. Does that work for you? Yeah, that's And true. realtors, by the way, uh, I'm a realtor as well. Realtors have to do this all the time because people want to call you at 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock. And you know what? I was one of those people when I was looking for a house. And what some people have taught me, and they do it so nicely, is could we set up some guidelines for how this is going to be moving forward? You will know that if I see any text that looks like there's a fire that needs to be put out, you don't need to worry about calling me. I'll be calling you. But would it be okay with you if I read them, came up with a game plan, and addressed them first thing in the morning, maybe with a virtual coffee? So you see how you're saying, I want to be a team player, but can we set up some rules moving forward? Yeah. That's awesome. And always ending on a good note. I love that part that you're sharing, Michelle. It's like, I'm going to compliment you. I'm going to just speak about this issue I'm having in a conversational way, not accusatory. And then let's do this instead, if you're okay with it. Can you see the difference between and whining and saying, I feel like so overwhelmed because everybody would say, yeah, we all are overwhelmed right now, right? Yeah. So you don't want to say things that are silly mm-hmm. because everyone's overwhelmed. And maybe some people hide it better, but everybody's overwhelmed. So we're not going to go there. We're going to say this is a temporary situation where we're all overwhelmed. I'm trying to be very organized so I can produce the best work for you possible. Here's what I've come up with. Does that work for you? What are your thoughts on that? And that way you're setting up the guidelines and letting them tell you if that's okay. Gosh, that's so good. Kenzie, you just did something interesting. Uh, So I want to address one of these other issues because you just did it. You put your hand to your heart. So. Every once in a while, somebody will come up to you. In the last week, we've had two people come to our house. One of them is a painter who wanted to give us a quote. And one of them was a long guy who we've had, but we never see him. You know, you send the check in the mail and you never see the person. And 
each one of them came up and my husband was with me and he had not met either of these people. So the natural inclination is to extend your hand and you want to shake. And how do we deal with that? Obviously, most people know, don't come within six feet of me. And since my arm isn't six feet long, I guess we won't be hugging or shaking. But every once in a while, someone does step forward. What do you do? And the great thing to do is to be proactive before the person, as they're approaching you, can come to say, I'm so happy to meet you. And now you've just put your hand over your heart and you've non-verbally told them, I'm not going to be shaking your hand or hugging you. But you put your hand over your heart, which is a really nice gesture. And then the other thing that you can do if you're not going to do a non-verbal is you can verbally say, I would love to shake your hand or hug you and we'll do that when this whole thing is all over. But meanwhile, thanks for being here today. I'm looking forward to getting your quote or, or whatever it is. But the hand over the heart is a really nice gesture because non-verbally you're telling people something is important to you. So wow. good accidental job there. That's amazing. That's good. I've had a couple people do what you just said to me. Not that I was going in for a hug, but as soon as I see like a neighbor has been like, um, I wish we could hug or I wish Colby could hug Elise. And then they'll pick up their child kind of to say, and I respect it. I'm like, I totally get it. We're all, you know, feeling the same worries. So that's awesome. Yeah. You never want to come off as rude and just. I'm going to give you a couple of these, uh, in case people are watching that do have older children too, what do you do when somebody, and by the way, it could be your husband. (laughs) This just happened to a friend of mine. What do you do when your husband or somebody in your family does not want to obey the six foot rule? You have to remember, first of all, people who are younger, a little more uh, risk taking in their personality type. So they think nothing's going to happen to me. But two of my kids are college age kids. And the first week or two when this all started, I got comments like this. Hey, would it be okay if I met Sophie for dinner? Um, No, it would not be okay. Or Joe wanted to go back to Alabama to collect all of his stuff. And two of his roommates were there. They all are getting ready to graduate. And they thought, you know what? We'll have like a final hurrah goodbye with each other. Well, they had just been at spring break in Florida. So what I had to say to the kids was, listen, I love you guys, and I am all about fun, and no one loves people more than I do, but at this time, we can't do it, and I'm going to tell you why. Because daddy is the major breadwinner in this family, and he can't get sick and get corona, and we're all trapped here. So when one of us makes a decision, we're all making that decision, Mm -hmm. and the other four of us say, that's not going to work. I think it's a time that we can really grow during Corona, we can learn to respect each other's boundaries. We can learn to communicate better with people that we're stuck in the house with. We can have teachable moments. That's a teachable moment to say, you don't get to make independent decisions. They're group decisions. That's one way to handle that. Wow. That's teachable moments. I can agree. I'm being taught every day on how to communicate with my husband. A lot of people are finding that there's a difference between communicating with your husband at the end of the day and his rear end sitting in a chair for 12 hours next to you and you're going, okay, wow. So there is a big difference. And this is where you really start to say there is a difference between men and women and the way they communicate and whether they have been in charge of certain house chores or children things that they now have to pick up and start doing because you're also working from home. 
the hardest part that nobody I've heard address so far is when this is all over, talk about teachable moments. You're going to have to start preparing your children for the fact that you're going back to the office. They've been used to having mommy and daddy home full time. And no one is talking about what that's going to look like. Oh, I thought about it. Friends or they want to go back to school. Nobody is talking about how this is going to impact, especially someone like a two-year-old or a three-year-old who are at that age. They've really gotten used to this new world. And guess what? They're kind of digging Corona. I got mommy and daddy all to myself. I got reading time. I got play time. That's going to be a tough one. Colby's going to be, yeah, it's going to be so hard because he has been, I mean, Grace is kind of still in that phase where we're like, does she notice us? I mean, she does, but like Colby verbally say like, this is the best, like, let's go to the duck pond. And we go to the duck pond every day. And like, that's his life. And that's all he wants to do. (laughs) Just not going to be able to go to this duck pond every day after coronavirus. (laughs) Um, But it's so true. I mean, going back to to the life that was before Corona, I think is going to be its own challenge. Um, So I haven't even thought through to that part yet. Um, But even amidst this right now, Aunt Michelle, I know I've heard of people, my sister-in-law got furloughed. There's other people I know that are job searching or just opportunity searching. And I've heard from, from a lot of people that there is still opportunity out there. So do you have advice for someone who is either, you know, applying for something or auditioning and sending in stuff from their house or sending in Zoom videos of an interview, like, should they stay encouraged during this time? Like, what do you have to, um, what do Absolutely. You- and Bridget, that is the most thoughtful question. It's a fantastic question. The first thing is that I would say to everybody, and this might seem really elemental, but it's an important question. Do you actually like what you were doing? Because some people lose their job, but they hated it. So my first question wow. to you is, did you actually like what you were doing before? Because Corona is a fantastic time to do a little self-assessment. Protocol School of Washington, where I got one of my certifications and I love them. They're right there in D.C., Bridget. They're doing virtual classes. They were planning on rolling this out probably a year from now, but they started today or yesterday helping people to distinguish between what am I doing now? What am I going to be doing when this is all over? What skill do I want to pick up? I've been picking up skills like crazy. As soon as I realized this was going to be a real thing, I told everybody in this house, write down a couple of things that you want to become better at. Do you want to go back into the office 10 pounds heavier from eating baked goods and binge watching TV? Or do you actually want to say, you know what, I kind of have been working on a new language. I have been getting in shape. I feel better than I've ever felt. These are things that you can actually do. But that's awesome. Back to your specific question. Yes, I loved that job. I mean, that was my job. I was planning on trying to go for the next promotion. Okay, figure out ways that you can add value in your industry. What have you learned and what can you bring to somebody else? Where can you bring value? And then stop feeling sorry for yourself. We don't have time for that. Get busy about where you can start applying and start getting creative. And if you're not a creative person, Find a trusted advisor or person who doesn't have two-year-olds and three-year-olds that can talk to you and start to hunker down on where you could work, what you could do with the skills that you have. 
The second thing is really start to polish up, and you might have to do it with somebody like me, polish up on your phone skills. This is just flat out World Health Organization, whether you love them or hate them, said 300 million people suffer from stress, anxiety, and panic. And the World Health Organization worked with the uh, world leaders in an organization about two years ago all over the world, and they were talking about how 80% of millennials fear the telephone. And if the phone rings, they assume someone's dead. But if they had to get on the phone, they would be so panicked. Well, how are we interviewing these days? We've been interviewing here in this house a lot, and it's been Zoom chat and phone calls. There's a way and an art to dealing with the phone. And if you know how to deal with that phone, I'm just telling you that when this whole Corona thing is over, you have totally amped up your value proposition. So if you don't know how to deal with the phone, I taught that all over the country. That is something that you really That is a thing. How do you get on a telephone call and make a fantastic call? You can still be interviewing. Now, say you didn't like your job. Let's talk about that. I hated my job. You know, I still need money, but my God, did I ever hate my job? I woke up every day just like living for the weekend. That's not a good way to live. What you need to do is say, what skills do I have? And there's a very easy pathway to figure out what your talents are. Talents and skills are different. Talents come from God. Mm -hmm. Skills come from learned things. What are my natural talents? What do I like? What am I good at? What do people ask me to do repeatedly? What do I wish I could do? What do I wish made money? Let's start there. Then start to grow your value proposition and figure out where you really want to be. Maybe you've always been a good writer and you had a writing job, but it was boring. You couldn't stand it. Well, maybe you want to move into media or directing or TV, or maybe you want to move into some other communication job. This is your time. Do not waste it. We're actually being given a gift here. We are being given a gift of time. This is where you start to say, and Bridget, I know, I think it's Christina. Yeah. um, Okay. She's basically what you just described, like wasn't even happy with the job. So I told her, I'm like, this is a gift. Like she's such a talented artist. She's She's beautiful. She's smart. I know who she is. She's got it all together. Yeah. Yeah. She might be your first, she's going to call you after this. Yeah. <laughs> she's the she's like, I've met her and I've met her a few times, not like long conversations, but just so the people listening know, this is somebody who lacks for nothing. She's smart. She's beautiful. She's articulate. She's creative. Mm-hmm. She has a million skills. You can't feel sorry for yourself during this time and boo-hoo it. It's not going to work. I a guess. Oh, go ahead, Ken. No, that's just the time is a gift. Who? Yeah. It's a good way to think about it. Yeah. I will also say, um, like personally, when I was applying for a job and I called you, um, I didn't even, I was not even aware that I had some limitations with interviewing because I always considered myself like, oh, I'm, I'm good at, you know, making mm-hmm. friends and I don't, but it's a totally different skill set yes. and, um, being on the phone, totally right. And getting there. And I remember one thing and I will never forget what you told me. Um, it would, I shared with you, okay, this woman's calling me from HR. I have to make it past the phone interview to get to the in-person interview. And you gave awesome advice. Like, this is not about your like accomplishments. Like you need to win over this relationship and treat her like a friend to where she wants to get in front of you to get you that interview. And I really did that. And it wasn't even in a way that was not, um, 
pure intentions. I actually am friends with this woman now, but when I spoke to her, I didn't worry about, um, kind of listing out everything. It was more of like, how do we make a connection in any way? And that worked so well for me. And I kept that in my mind as I was talking to her. And I think you said something like pretend you're sitting across from her having coffee. Like, what would you say? How would you act? And, um, it just, that worked so well. And that really did get me through the door. So I think it's little things like that, that like really get you to the next level. And so if anyone's listening who needs that sort of, um, advice right now, or you're in this sort of a transition, where can they find you? You can go to Fear Force Executive Coaching, and you will have something up on your Insta, probably with contact information. But it's Fear Force Executive Coaching.squarespace.com. It's a mouthful. That's where you're going to learn these skills. And really, if we're going to bring God into this for a minute, this is about being other oriented. And when you are genuinely, and Bridget, you're such a genuine person. Mackenzie, so are you. That's why I was so happy to speak to East Coast, West Coast today. When you two, I know, I got to call you guys back because you're now you're both ends of the country and everything in between. When you are genuine about wanting to help another human being and you're truly other oriented, you stop worrying about how you sound. You stop worrying about yourself and what you're going to gain and what you're going to get. And it stops being this grabby thing where it's all about you. That's what people have to understand. Every single time you're talking to a person, if it's your two-year-old, if it's your husband, if it's your neighbor, if it's your coworker, you need to be all about them. What are they mm-hmm. saying to me? Am I listening? Am I listening intentionally? Because there's a difference between just hearing something and listening mm-hmm. intentionally. What are they saying? And then pick up on the nuances. What are they not saying? What do I need to be addressing? Sometimes in the middle of a conversation, I will actually stop my agenda that's going on in my head because I just heard something, a pause, a something, and I'll say, listen, let's table that for a second. Here's what I just heard. Is this an issue for you? And stop and redirect that conversation. People are looking for meaningful connections. They are not looking for superficial, quickie, one-off, snappy marketing lines. They're looking to build intentional relationships. And when you can do that for somebody, they want more of you. Wow. Well, that's a beautiful place to end on. Thank you so much for being here with us. And um, we look forward to putting this episode out for everybody to learn all these amazing tips. You are both incredible and you're doing great things. It was a pleasure being with both of you. Oh, thanks, Aunt Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for listening to COVID Combos, a series brought to you by Unraveled Podcast. To stay a part of the conversation, follow us on Instagram at Unraveled Podcast or on Spotify at The Unraveled Podcast. Thanks for listening.